Learn the most advanced recruiting techniques. Land the most desirable talent. Launch your company towards massive success. This is the Higher Power Radio Show with Rick Gerard. HR versus recruiting. We're putting the gloves on and we're having an epic showdown today. Answering the age-old question, why can't we just get along? <laughs> Let's see who will come out victorious. <laughs> I'm Rick Gerard, and welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show. Our mission is to discuss and deconstruct insights from top-performing entrepreneurs and industry experts. Every week, we uncover tested tactical solutions to solve your company's toughest hiring challenges. Today in the red corner, we have Nicole... Woo! Excited. <laughs> the mad dog, <laughs> Arvizu. She's the chief... Human Resources and Compliance Officer for Marical. Uh, Nicole is a very progressive and disruptive HR leader. She is a change agent who joined Marical in 2017 and has done an amazing job transforming the organization to bring HR as a business partner rather than an administrative arm. She loves to geek out with uh, her quest for scientific knowledge and... My favorite part, she's also a surfer. I would say more wave tumbler <laughs> most days. <laughs> Nicole, welcome to the show today. Thank you, Rick, for having me. Hey, I'm gonna I'm I'm going with surfer. You're gonna be a surfer. Okay. All right, so we're gonna cover three things. Three rounds we're having today in today's undisputed championship of the radio. I need to be station. holding up the sign. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, you might. No, I'll be holding up there the sign go. walking around. All right, round one, we're gonna talk about what HR dislikes about recruiting. Ooh. Let Round me start. two, we're going to go into recruiting issues with HR. <laughs> <laughs> and then round three, which is I call the knockout round, we're going to talk about how we're going to get these two working together. It's kind of not really working with the theme, but hey, we'll work with it. Okay. So let's start with uh, round one. Ding, ding. <laughs> so let's talk about the issues that HR has with recruiting. So there's different types of recruiting, right? You have... Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about the sources that typically you're accustomed to using. And sure. We have, you know, of course, your traditional passive searches where, you know, you go out, you post a job, you hope for the best. You're fishing, if you sure. will. Spending time searching through pools and pools of resumes, hoping to find that, you know, purple squirrel that yeah. every organization hopes for. Sure. Then you have your, hey, recruiter firm, staffing agency, got some desperate needs, desperate hires. Can you place? I'll pay a surcharge. Help me out. Yeah. You know. Need Find this me filled yesterday, please. That's right. Yeah. Then the last one is really your retained search. So the ones that are your big dogs, the ones that I can't find you anywhere because I've looked on LinkedIn, Indeed, uh, Dice, if it's still really yeah, exists anymore. Um, but all of those vehicles to try and find that unique person <laughs> that's going to join your organization. Um, you haven't had any luck, and so the retained searches are going to help you find that through their network and um, direct placements. And M- most definitely. So... Where do you find is the, the biggest kind of pain point out of those three? So if you recruiters are listening and you're out there, I would say <laughs> my biggest pain point is don't assume that you know anything about my organization. Oh. Uh, a lot of what I have But is, they have a perfect person for you. They do. Um, <laughs> I call it the stop, drop, and roll approach to recruitment. I'm going to stop sure. by with a basket of muffins or a pen or a pad of paper or a bottle of wine or offer you some tickets to go to some show and then hey by the way work with me I'll send you some resumes but I'll never follow up with the candidates after they're placed and I'm just gonna roll along and send you an invoice for a big big fee 
I have a real issue with that because mm. not only have you not spent time with my organization to figure out what my operational challenges are, yeah. but certainly that how do you know what the fit is? How do you know what the culture is? Have you you know walked a mile? Well, they in stopped my shoes? by and did drop off muffins. For, they did, you know, be, right? They, they make us well fair. fed. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like um, it kind of reminds me of the um, the prescription drug reps, right? Like right. they bring food all the time to doctors and right. Yeah, so. Um, that's more than I ever did, by the way. <laughs> okay. Throughout my career. I never really stopped by and dropped off muffins. Yeah, that one, that's one of my f special favorites, especially at the holidays. Or they'll bring the, you know, it's donut day, and here's, you know, three dozen donuts, and, you know, thanks, and have a nice day, and please do business with me with my, because I have brought you donuts. All right, so let's talk a little bit about the approach. They don't know your business. Uh, is it that the process is to maybe transactional, and, and now you have a situation where they don't really understand your organization? I kind of consider it like going into, you know, a college um, speech. You know, you go to class, you prepare, and you hope that people pay attention to what you have to say. Sure. And I would hope that recruitment kind of takes a similar approach, study about my company, you know, and figure out what's in my industry that might be a barrier for me in terms of meeting a, a labor demand or shortage. Sure. Um, maybe give me some interesting factoids or statistics with a similar industry. Somebody that says, hey, you know, I work, yeah, I know that Marical makes and uh, contract a manufacturing for retailers. I know you have some uh, challenges with finding labor because of the price point. Hey, by the way, we've worked with other companies of similar size and scope that have interesting challenges like you, or I noticed that you went through an acquisition or you purchased a new company. Do some homework. But that's just too much work. But you want my business, right? You want me to be you want me to be a forever customer, don't you? Define forever because businesses change and and I I have found Right. And I came up through the ranks of being a contingency recruiter for most of my career. Mm -hmm. So um, I can play this end really well. I found that you can develop relationships and be in a really great position. Company changes happen, which are, you know, happen a lot. And those relationships go away pretty quickly. Right. So, um, you know, things can change at a drop of a hat. So I think it's, we're taught coming up through that range that speed of movement and be, I mean, it's a transactional process. Right. And I think that's the biggest, you know, problem with, with our side of the industry. But, Rick, wouldn't it uh, benefit recruitment in general to change that process in general, to adapt to a changing workforce and demand a supply and demand issue? I mean, if I have such a low unemployment rate yeah. in Orange County, for example, wouldn't you be thinking outside of the box beyond going to mixers and hoping to find an HR person to work with or... Um, you know, figuring out, meeting up with maybe those top executives to say, hey, I understand you have some labor challenges. And All right, I'll take that uppercut. Okay. That was a nice punch. <laughs> um, I, I totally agree with you. I, I think it does. But we're in a market right now that it doesn't warrant it. You can have anybody who kind of hits the ground as a recruiter, calls himself a recruiter, and just does the work, but it runs it out, and can still make revenue. Right. And that's why... And throwing it back on companies by you accepting that you can donate. True, but anyway. where do you turn it around? Where do you set the stage that recruitment needs to... You listen to the Higher Power Radio Show with Rick Gerard. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's an, it's an interesting dilemma because the big shops, if you will, have a lot of the same, what I call 
same labor pool that they source from. Yeah. There's nothing fresh. I haven't seen anything new. In fact, probably sometimes I've seen the same names be brought forward yeah. in some searches that I've had. Um, the retained searches or the ones that are direct placement, you know, I think some of the smaller ones are really working aggressively to find how they, you know, place the right fit within the organization and adapt to those changing needs. Then there are the other ones, like you mentioned, that sort of taint the reputation of recruitment, where yeah. it's sort of the stop, drop, and roll. You it's know. a spray and pray approach. Okay, yeah. spray and pray. <laughs> yeah, that's an old marketing term I, I learned of the other day, which okay. is basically just throw as much crap at a wall as you can and see what sticks. <laughs> uh, yeah, my CEO has a, a name for that, but I, I won't say it on air right now. I'll probably tell you offline. There's another acronym for that, but I'll share offline. Are you going to keep everybody, you're going to keep this as vets? Uh, yeah, exactly. All right, send me an email later if you guys are interested, and I'll tell you what it was. So the transactional, so how do you fix the transactional piece, right? That's a big problem. Mm -hmm. So let's talk a little bit about that because it seems to me and I'm going to like flip it around now, and I'm going to talk about recruiting's perspective on HR. Sure. Is that from our perspective, HR doesn't really have a good handle on exactly what the roles are. And granted, you're dealing with everything. Right. So, hey, you have huge shoulders to carry the load that HR carries in a company. But that said, um, I think there's a level of control there that, that doesn't really need to be there. Correct. And I think a lot of companies have actually been fairly smart in, in taking both of those pieces and just splitting them out. Splitting right. tech, talent acquisition from um, HR. And I know a lot of HR people have been really happy about that. Yeah, I'm sort of unhappy about that. Are I, mean, I, I think that where it misses is that as a cohesive team, you know, we're a continuum in the life cycle of the employee. The, the sure. person is becomes our product. And so whether it's from you know, they say it sometimes in sort of staffing cradle to grave. I mean, you have yeah. that in between where that's the face of the business sometimes, the talent acquisition folks. They're the first touch to a yeah. potential hire. They create that sort of synergy between whether it's the generalist on the ground all the way on up to the C-level person. Yeah. They're advocating for this person to become that right fit in the organization. I think where recruitment has to change on both sides of the coin is really understanding how to become um, an extension of the business. So those talent leaders should be joining those operations meetings, understanding what's taking place, why it's taking place. And HR needs to play nicer in the sandbox yeah. and, and probably feeding that information. So, but, you know, buy in between the recruitment teams, whether internal or external, that they have the right information to select the right candidate pool. I think where it misses the mark too is some HR lay people are too hyper-focused on the, the role of the job description, telling and selling the job. Oh, yeah, the buzzwords. Right. And, and, and having the required four years of experience or something like that. Right. Instead of looking at, you know, what does this person bring to the table that I don't currently have that, well, maybe they're short on these hard skills, but maybe on the softer skills, they could really add some value in terms of maybe they have a you know, tremendous background in, in training and what could that bring to the table in terms of a small work team or maybe they've been in charge of project teams and they can really bring that skill forward. Those are some of the things that I, I think we have to read between the lines with each of the candidates that come forward. I would agree. And, you know, here here's the other, I think the, the other difficult piece that I've seen is that from a recruiting standpoint, we were always taught uh, human re HR stood for human roadblock. So it was your Fair job. <laughs> it was your job as a recruiter to get past and get to the hiring manager. Right. And often it's been throughout my career where 
the HR person doesn't even let you talk to the hiring manager so you can find out exactly what that person oh, needs. Oh, no, I want you to sit down with them because they're yeah. the ones that can, they're telling you the the live piece of information, the day-to-day -day aspects of the job where they know how that person will be successful. Uh, I don't, you know, HR, I, I get frustrated. I think you are right about the human roadblock instead of thinking, wow, could I be that great business partner to my operations team, to that hiring manager that has this need right now, and lending them to that outside recruitment? I think sometimes that's the fear factor that they'll get sourced away. Explain that to me. What do you mean? Oh, that maybe, you know, the recruiter is building up their own sort of safety net of potential candidates in the future, and by virtue of meeting with this person that's internal in the organization, that they might... Recruit that person correct. out at some point. Right. Yeah, you know what though? I think I was always taught and I learned really early on, you don't bite the hand that feeds you. Right. So if there is an ongoing relationship, if there truly is one, nobody's going to breach that. That's right. You know what I mean? If somebody leaves on their own, that's a whole different story. But um, All right, so we flipped it a little bit. We're talking about <clears throat> our perception of HR. Um, the other thing that I've gotten is that a lot of times HR really doesn't have a thorough understanding of what the job is. But then again, a lot of times the hiring manager doesn't either. Right, because it defaults to the job description being the telltale version of what that candidate is going to do, when really in theory, they probably do 10% of what's really on that job description. It's a wish list. It is. Yeah. It, and it's a very uh, difficult to attain wish list because it's impossible to meet every need on a piece of paper, totally. especially when it's two and three pages, right? Um, oh, yeah. You know, all the particulars. But it doesn't outline most often what the job is no like when i start and i sit down and see what am i going to be doing I, i'm going to flip this a little bit i fault the recruiter sometimes for that because if you said the right things to someone like Ooh, me uh <laughs> someone like me and said hey nicole i would love to do a walkthrough of your plant operations or i'd like to sit in your break room for example and kind of get a vibe of how people come together those collisions that happen during the day or i'd like to participate in a meeting that's not a confidential meeting but just get a sense how your team operates yeah that would give you more of a bird's eye view of the culture so that when you're looking for that candidate you're meeting to the fit and not necessarily meeting to the let me just get the payday at the end of the day and just get this off the job board on my whiteboard and cross it off the list. All right, so we're talking to Nicole Arvizu. She's the Chief Human Resources and Compliance Officer at Marical. We're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we're going to continue this discussion, and we're going to see who wins this victorious battle. Woo! <laughs> You're listening to Higher Power with Rick Gerard, giving you access to recruiting techniques that will help you hire key talent to build your company towards real success. Rick is a recruiting executive and entrepreneur who's been successfully recruiting in the aggressive Silicon Valley technology landscape for the past two decades. After a very successful stint at Apogee, he founded Stride Search in 2012. Based on a lean efficiency model, Stride has uniquely positioned itself as a leader in retained search for the most critical talent hires within a small organization. Whether you're a startup executive or recruiting professional, by listening to Higher Power with Rick Gerard, you will walk away with skills to help you attract and hire great talent. Now back to Higher Power with Rick Gerard. Ding, ding, ding. Welcome back to the Higher Power radio show. I'm your host, Rick Gerard, and you are listening to Epic Battle Number 1, HR versus Recruiting. I'm uh, speaking with Nicole Arvizu, the Chief HR and Compliance Officer for Marical. So we were just discussing a bit about 
what we hate about each other, but it's really <laughs> nicely put. Um, now we're going to actually delve into how we can kind of fix it and provide some solutions for you. So let's talk a little bit about your last point, which was you said, you know, that most recruiters don't take the time to sit in and get an idea of what the culture is. Again, I, I'm going to throw this back to HR where uh, most times recruiters probably aren't invited in to do so. Mm -hmm. um, but really, if you want that kind of relationship, you're talking about a different model rather than a... a you are. Yeah. You're treating it as an extension of your business. Yeah. As I think most of your vendors, if you're providing a service and you're paying the expense that you are... They should be as much in the know, within reason, of course, you know, for confidentiality reasons and, you know, other business trade secrets or other things that take place to protect the company's interests. I think that you can have and you should treat them as a true extension of your operation so that they know what's taking place, any upcoming challenges, and that they can anticipate the need in advance of what happens is is that recruitment is so reactive because and you know someone's oh, made yeah. other plans they've yeah. left the company yeah or, or they are leaving right or there's something taking place and and I think some of the best recruiter relationships I've had are those that I can lean on and say hey you know I know I'm going to have this organizational change would you help this person out I know this person may a person or persons are being shifted out of the organization It'd be great yeah. if you can give them a call Kind of give them a heads up. Yeah, the other. You so know, what you're talking about really is the problem is relationships. It which is. Which is really the point of this show. Right. Because why would I why would I you know drive a wedge between somebody that's going to benefit me and lessening the pressure that I have to meet the supply demand of people talent in an organization when I have my managers asking why when we place this person why is this rec open I'm still so what short. So you're saying me as recruiter A coming in trying to work with your company I'm not really that special. Like I think I am. No, because there's hundreds of you. There we go. And I can go anywhere for to meet hundreds of you to do the same thing or, or some version of the same thing each place you go. So statistically speaking, what you're looking at from a contingency firm is we, as a contingency firm, you really only fill about 18% of your roles, mm -hmm. right? So once you build a, a, an exclusivity into the role, now you bump it up to about a 51% that you're going to fill it. And then right. once you go retained, then it's a whole different ballgame. Because exactly. we're sitting at about 98% right. success rate. So as a company or as an HR leader, why not change the model to where you're getting the best results? Yes, it might cost you money up front or offer exclusivity to somebody, but do it in such a way where you don't really condone the traditional model of spray and pray <laughs> right i mean and I, and I think that's controversial probably for you know the executive level folks because it, it's a level of financial commitment that you're making sure you know the investment in this third party to mitigate a staffing risk or the fact that you've not been able to bring somebody in a, some other talent through the hr organization or internal recruitment so it's education on the leadership part. It is, and I think they have to understand, you know, what that person's going to add in terms of productivity, value, dollars, and revenue generation that that sure. hire will place within the organization. They'll make up the dollars, but it's a small investment up front sometimes and less risk, particularly if I have a good partnership with a you know contingency firm or other staffing agency that can help me meet that need. I have greater risk the longer that role is vacant. 
is the big thing in the the draw on the leadership side to say, okay, well, look, at it. it doesn't cost us anything to see the resumes unless we hire somebody. Correct. Is that so? But you're seeing so many resumes, and you're killing so much time so interviewing I, people that aren't qualified. I've limited it. You know, with some uh, contingency, contingency firms, I've said, look, I don't want to see more than five right now at a time. I don't want to see fifty. I want to see your top five, <laughs> our top three. You sure. know, however you treat it, I want to see only those. Um, I don't need to kill trees or review a bunch of people. You know, yeah. let's keep it small. I mean, we're a green company. Right. 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 Um, <laughs> but I don't need all of the extras because that's another stress level too. You know, it gets buried in emails. I got to look at all these people again. And why did I hire you if I got to look at fifty people? And I can do that on my own. Look at it, LinkedIn or Indeed or some other vehicle. Why would I bring you in if we're doing the same? I don't think that most of them are doing that. I think most of what we, what contingency firms do, and again, I come from that world, has been low-hanging fruit. So you might do an email blast, but for the most part, through your database. Right. And then you'll probably do Indeed or one of the various job boards. Mm-hmm. And you might send out some LinkedIn emails if you have any credits for it. Right. But in most cases, that's not what happens. No. All right, so what we have here is failure to communicate. <laughs> right? I would agree, yeah. So I mean, we have a little bit of the blame game going on. We do. I think so far you're winning, but sh- I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> um, so it, so let's talk about you know the external factors. You have market conditions, which are kind of condoning this issue right now. Right. They are, I and mean, with the, such a compressed labor market and the fact that you have low unemployment in Orange County and you have... And, and for me, especially in manufacturing, this is where the dilemma happens, is because I'm having to compete against other price points for other labor in other places, whether sure. it's because of state minimum wage push or it's because, you know, I read an article and I was telling the, um, some executives this this morning, I said, it's the Disney effect right now. You know, there was an article in the What's Times. What's the Disney effect? The article in the Times over the weekend, they were talking about how they've hit kind of an interesting labor wall that they are forced now to, and some of it's due to, to uh, union contract, but really having uh, to force the minimum wage for their average starting worker. So, you know, instead of saying it's going to be $12 this an is hour. This Disney? Yeah, okay. it's now thirteen twenty-five an hour, which that's a huge cost increase to, to Disney. Right? Sure. Not that they can't afford it, but it is a huge cost increase. They can make another version of Little Mermaid. There you okay. go. Uh, but with this upcoming looming $15 an hour for, you know, unskilled labor, and a lot of employers are facing that, Yeah, um, we're at the whims of staffing agencies telling us that you need to pay more to compete. You're at the whims of the candidate telling us you got to pay me more if you want me. So we're, we have a real It is rising right across the board. It yeah. is. And, and I'm seeing it. In big numbers up in the Bay Area because I do about half my work up there. Right, and they have a, I mean, they have an even more interesting dilemma because they're already there yeah. in terms of some county areas already paying at that threshold. Yeah. So you have not only those factors, but insurance and sick time and all these other great things that California affords us, which I love my state, but it does create some challenges. That was very politically correct. Yes, I love my state. <laughs> Don't be wrong. Where's I love your my USA state. pin? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I love my state. All right. So how do we collectively work together? So let's let's build in some uh, ideas on how we can we can all get along here. Okay. All right. Any ideas? 
I would say, you know, instead of the traditional hound me with a bunch of emails in the morning, and I would I tell you it's about 50 emails a day from different agencies. And I, I've I, only emailed you twice. Only twice. Yes. That's, that's good. But yeah. some of them are very persistent. Um, really plan for some time or hook me by sending me an email that says something like, Hey, I saw that Marikal's had some open recs for a so while. So do some research. Right. Hey, I noticed that you just, you know, you purchased a new company. I noticed you brought in a new chief commercial officer. I noticed that you brought in, you know, a new executive team. Tell me more about that. Would love to meet with them and, you know, All have right, a dialogue. So good job. I like it. Okay. All right. So I'm going to throw one back to you. Sure. Um, I think it's really important that HR be selective in who they like be more selective don't work with 20 firms no there's no benefit to it i mean you know who you like you know who the is the closest to your labor needs and, and this isn't just hr this is just in general most companies tend to work with a lot of firms they do and and i don't especially on the staffing side i, I wouldn't say so much on the on contingent or um you know direct placement fee based but definitely definitely on staffing yeah. everyone does the same they all have the same candidates right they do and so I, I agree with that principle that you select one, but make them a true extension of your business. Really involve them in what's happening operationally yeah. every day. Absolutely. Within reason, of course. Yeah. I mean, invite us over for coffee every once in a while. You can bring you the can. muffins. <laughs> I'll supply the coffee. <laughs> I don't drink coffee, but I'll still come over and hang okay. out, you know? Right. I mean, uh, I totally agree. A business partnership is, mm -hmm. is definitely the most effective way. And when you get to a retained search level, it's really about just handling the one-offs right. which are the key executives so those don't really happen there, there's not really those a whole infrequent. lot of gray level right? right what you're saying is contingency firms really need to take the time to develop their relationships they do longer standing ones you know what's funny is i go to a lot of networking events i never run into recruiters i i, I take that back i rarely run into recruiters i'm like the anomaly there like oh really you're what are you doing here <laughs> well and it's usually the agencies right that you run into um, you know, just small random ones. Like, mm -hmm. you know, I gave a talk at Disrupt HR. I think that's where I met you, yep. right? I ran into two recruiters there that right. I met. So that was, and I was surprised. But I go, you know, go to an Octane event or some of these other things. Rarely ever run into anybody who's in talent acquisition. Right. Well, and study up who's attending. A lot of times those meetings will publish. I know Disrupt what does. You know, they yeah. publish who's going to be there. If you're a recruiter, take the time and try and find that person and say, hey, I wanted to meet you personally and here's right? why yeah all right so i, I want to flip to something that's kind of interesting does hr still run under the premise i mean this was like years ago where hr usually got a bonus based on least cost per hire or keeping their cost per hire down you know is I've, that still something that's even relevant you know the organizations i worked for in the last five to ten five six years have not had that i know in the past so when i worked in, in when i was working in mortgage they did it was pretty predominant but not uh not here now i've okay. not seen that as much but you know you bring up the topic of fees well get, that was yeah that was well, something that was and get creative to us right right i mean get creative because i sometimes i see with some recruiters it's one size fits all instead of saying okay wait I know this person likely has a budget somewhere, and that budget can shift. Even though it's set in stone, maybe in January something can happen in the operations where they always do right that that throws off how we hire or timing of hire, and you know I, I need some flexibility with those things. That that's the thing. Recruiting is fluid, right? And I've had clients that I brought on where 
one week I'm working on one role and they shift it to another role and or they enhance it or change it or modify yeah. it no I mean I've had one where they were looking for somebody here in LA and then they shifted it and said well we don't need LA right now let's do Boston I'm like really that's gonna set us back about three weeks right well, that's okay I mean it is fluid it's dynamic it changes it is yeah. absolutely all right so you don't like the idea of separating responsibilities I don't I you know I I come from the belief of cohesive work teams, but that's just me in terms of how I like to best work and draw in my talent. So if it's something where I have... Are you doing recruiting? We aren't right now. No, I mean, are you personally? Oh, I am personally. Okay. Yeah. Oh, you're involved in that process. I am too. Okay. (laughs) You're a superwoman. (laughs) Well, and and it's only because we're not, I mean, locally we have an organization that's about 375 people and 150 out of state. So... We do a fair amount of our own sort of organic sourcing, and then when we get to a point where it's taking longer than we need, then we certainly have to bring in other folks to assist and support. Okay. Got it. Trust. Do we trust each other? You know, I think within reason, but, cer- <laughs> but certainly... Uh, but certainly, I'm kind of suspect. Yeah, some, you know, or the, so I've been told. The thing I, I find, I've, I, I've had a couple of blips, I would say, I would say maybe in the last six months where a couple of firms have um, brought forward candidates and we we're really enthusiastic about them and, you know, great sort of biography that they wrote on them and uh, gave all the merits of why they're wonderful really sold me on the person and the person ended up leaving after 60 days and you know and, and I was disappointed because something got missed there Ooh, I can tell you exactly what it was what was it you guys have a broken interview process that could be yeah that could be or you know the messaging wasn't con- being conveyed correctly I think a lot of times what ends up happening is that you have when you do have a third party if you guys don't have the relationship to where you're really working together as a team, right. you're going to get a lot of mis-messaging. And, and, and that's what happened in this one. I think the, the candidate felt that there was a lot more opportunity for growth instead of realizing that I need to be a little bit static in the role for a while before I'm really offered an, a promotional opportunity. Yeah. They were expecting it within 60 days of starting. Got and it. So something was missed in, in how it was communicated or... Well, as recruiters, again, we're salespeople a lot Overselling. of times. Yeah, yeah, it's like, oh, yeah, great, the opportunity. I mean, like, I hear recruiters all the time saying, oh, yeah, there's plenty of room for growth. You, six months, not a problem. We all, make have, it happen. We all have so to stop saying that. It's both car salesman kind of mentality. Right. But both of us have to stop saying that there's room for growth and there's opportunity for growth. Well, I think then. there should be a laid-out growth path. Or at least a career, a career plan within that organization yeah. that says, you know, Reaching these milestones will afford you the opportunity to, to move, migrate, upgrade, whatever, within your particular role. Got it. Yeah. So, the, the in one last point, because I know we're going to get the, uh, I'm getting the scissors from <laughs> Paul, our engineer over there, being like, cut it. We're going long, Paul. <laughs> Work with it. <laughs> um, so, one last point to that, which is the job description itself. Do you guys lay out the performance metrics? Or our job descriptions, you know, I'll, I'll say, I'll take ownership of that one. We'll talk about one. that offline. Yeah, <laughs> they need work. They're, they're a very traditional model of job description. It doesn't really tell you much other than a, a lot of bullet points that tell you the same thing over and over again. It's pretty much everybody's job description. Yeah. But I'm on a 
mission to fix that in this world. Well, maybe that's, that's my life. Maybe that's story. your upsell. <laughs> maybe that's the differentiator is truly helping us write a better job description. I'll be over there tomorrow. Okay. All right. So tell us a little bit about Marical, and then I'm going to wrap up. Uh, Marical is a contract and retail uh, manufacturer of nutraceutical supplements. You've seen some of these. We do not have a private label brand, but we do manufacture uh, different vitamins for people like Trader Joe's, Costco, Sam's Club, uh, Walgreens. That's super cool. Yeah, it's you pretty awesome. Are, you guys make we're keeping really people cool healthy. Stuff. Yeah. yeah, we're keeping people healthy. There's a lot of people that need to be healthy. Yeah, absolutely. all right so we're just about out of time for today's show uh nicole uh actually i'm gonna i'm gonna ask paul our engineer who won this battle paul is it a draw did we yeah paul be fair I think you were just being polite. You were dancing around each other here. Nobody went for the kill. We didn't. No jugular here. Oh, man. Yeah. So it's we both got DQ. We did. Not enough points there. We failed. <laughs> All right. So thanks for your time and investment today. Great. And, and I want to welcome you to the show and to the Real Higher Power Radio community. Now, uh, I know you guys are hiring. Yes, we are. All right. So tell our audience how they find you. Uh, go to Marical.com. Spell it out. At M-E-R-I-C-A-L.com. All right. And there's lots of really cool jobs. And I got to tell you. With instant promotion. <laughs> Within a couple months, you're promoted. That, you will be the C-level person. <laughs> See, this is why he, he just came out with a knockout punch. We both just got one, dude. All right. So I want to thank our listening audience for tuning in to this week's episode. A quick thanks to our engineer, Paul Roberts. Our uh, producers, Andrea Ballin, Shanti Ryle, and Kim Iverson. If you like the show, please subscribe. You can find us on YouTube, Facebook, LinkedIn. We're all over the place right now. Um, to check out any past episodes, you can check us out on Hire. That's H-I-R-E, PowerRadio.com. Or find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, YouTube. I just said that, but I'm going to say it again. <laughs> um, you can follow me also on Instagram at rickgerard1. Tune in next week. Our guest will be Mark James. I don't know if this is going to be a battle round, but I'm going to try. I'm going to try and do another one. Maybe we'll do like a Part theme. two. Yeah. It'll be like Rocky 1, me and you. There you go. And then... I think it's like WrestleMania. You only you go through all of them until one really, why wins. Why you got to cheapen the show like that? <laughs> what the audience wants. Nobody wants WrestleMania. Get off the... Don't, don't tune back in again. Is that where we dress up as purple squirrels? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Purple squirrel, unicorn, butterflies. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> our guest next week is going to be Mark James. He's the founder and president of Higher Consulting Services and author of The Keys to the C-Suite. I'm your host, Rick Gerard, and you have been listening to the Higher Power Radio Show. Aloha. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you for listening to Higher Power with Rick Gerard on OC Talk Radio.